1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18+. plus.
0: I'm John Seifer. And
1: I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the
3: Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and
0: Patrick Maher on vSEN. And welcome to the Lombardi Line presented
5: by Bet. MGM, Dave Ross, Mike Pritchard coming at you from South Point Casino here in Las Vegas for the next couple hours. We have another fine show on the docket today. Steve Mackinan, it's a Wednesday. That means we get some of his numbers as he breaks down the NBA playoffs as we're almost close to determining all the teams that will be in once we get through the play-in games uh, this evening and the rest of this week before we get to the weekend. And then the second hour, Tyler Fulgen is going to join us from ESPN. You watch him on Bet and you watch him on Daily Wager. And he's a buddy of mine, Mike, that I like to fight with from time to time. So (laughs) buckle up for that segment as well. But, uh, Mike, I did want to start with what I thought was some of the bigger news of the day. And that did come to us from the NFL and came right here from the desert. And that is, in fact, that Derek Carr, uh, they've redone his deal. He gets a three-year contract extension, I believe, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, valued at $121.5 million. And this is going to keep him through Vegas, ties to Vegas, at least through the 2025 season. There's also a no-trade clause involved in that. He will now, and is already, the longest-tenured quarterback in the AFC. How about that? So not just the AFC West, but in the entire conference now with Ben Roethlisberger's retirement your your first glance uh, and first blush at this deal, because I know there were concerns about whether or not he would be the guy with Josh McDaniels now coming over as the new head coach here. Uh, does this make sense to you now with Devontae Adams also with that trade complete? Well, it
6: does. I mean, this indicates uh, to me that the Raiders are all in with Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, this, even though they have a new regime right now with Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels said that I can work with Derek Carr. I would love to work with Derek Carr. Uh, But you've also seen the Raiders surround Derek Carr with some weapons. I mean, Darren Waller, Mm -hmm. uh, you got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro has emerged, too, and the running back situation is stable. Uh, So everything the Raiders want in order to be successful is right there. I mean, Derek Carr, um, I I know he's polarizing within the fan base. He really is. Raider Nation uh, is crazy. Uh, They are, Uh, because Derek Carr hasn't won a playoff game. He's won a lot of games. He's put up a lot of numbers, but he hasn't won a playoff game.
5: Came within a half yard short of going to overtime with Cincinnati, potentially, right? Yeah, but a pick,
6: though. Right. (laughs) But, I mean, he could have elevated his game, kind of held the ball, maybe scrambled and then find somebody. Mm. Don't just force the ball in there. But uh, that polarizing side of Derek Carr is what has the Raider nation confused at times. But I, I think the Raiders internally feel like they have everything in place to make that Super Bowl run. Like you notice, the extensions right after the Super Bowl is going to be here right. uh, in Vegas. So, uh, this indicates to me the the move for Devontae Adams on top of the extension with Derek Carr that they're all in with this direction of the Raiders and they feel like they can get the job done.
5: You know, it, it is interesting because I wonder when you look at the futures market here, and obviously the Raiders are still picked fourth in the AFC mm-hmm. West. Now, those numbers have come down and we, we saw them as high as 10 to 1, 9 to 1 down to 6-1 to one to win the division. I think they've made some impressive moves in the offseason. Kansas City, we know about the, the the additions. certainly with Denver, and the Chargers are right there. They're right. not going anywhere. So now you, you look at that division, and when you try to kind of uh, handicap the futures market here with those quarterbacks, I mean, my goodness, you're loaded for bear. And we've talked about it that maybe uh, on paper, at least, it could be the most dynamic division we've ever seen in, in the history of pro football. When you have that that caliber of quarterback play, if Derek Carr quote-unquote, is the worst of the bunch. That's a pretty good bunch. So I look at it, and, Mike, I wonder for the Raiders, if you go into the draft, would your handicap of the division change, potentially, by what might happen in said draft? We know the Chiefs have got a a stockpile of picks now Mm -hmm. once they they ship Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. So we assume they're going to go wide receiver, maybe as high as seven wide receivers uh, taken in this first round. We'll talk to Tyler Fulgham about that in the second hour. But is there anything that could happen in the in the draft here this month that would change your handicap of that division? Not
6: yeah, not really. Not really, Dave. I think when you look at this division, it's all about the quarterback. The National Football League is all about the quarterback. Uh, the diversion of football or, or the the type of football that we're seeing uh, is wide open. Mm. It, third and two is a passing down now. <laughs> I mean, it's no it's longer a running foot situation. It's a passing situation. So it, it, is, it is all about the quarterback. And I think with the Raiders – they feel confident with Derek Carr now that he has somebody like Devontae Adams. They play together in college. In fact, I called their championship game up there at Fresno State. Wow. Uh, and it's a nice duel. They, they feel like they can unlock another level of each other's game. Uh, and so that's the belief. That's the confidence that they have in the building over there in Mountain Healthcare Performance Center with the Raiders. Now, the Chiefs, they have a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, a unicorn. Uh, The Broncos have a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, right? So (laughs) the the pedigree is incredible. It's (laughs) off the charts within this division. But with the Raiders, uh, and you think about the Chargers with Herbert, a lot of promise there hasn't delivered yet. Uh, And neither has Derek Carr. So I I see this extension. It's it's something that says, okay, is this going to define Derek Carr? I believe it will. Mm. Because if he doesn't win a playoff game and he's – the longest-tenured quarterback with In the, the Raiders AFC. and the AFC, he doesn't have a playoff win, then what does that say about him? I don't care about your numbers. Uh, and so it's put-up or shut-up time, really, for Derek Carr. And and I think the Raiders and Derek Carr wouldn't want it any other way.
5: I'm a results-oriented guy, too. I, I get process and all those things, but at some point you got to figure out a way. Right. It doesn't all fall on Derek Carr. We understand that. But but you're going to have to do it now. They've, they've committed to you. Six mm-hmm. to one right now to win this division. Okay. okay. The Chiefs, by the way, plus money on every team in the division. That's mm-hmm. how competitive all of a sudden we believe this division to be. So the Chiefs are the shortest favorite, if you will. And then it looks like the, the Chargers and Broncos pretty much right around the uh, 250 spot here for both those teams. It kind of put them in the same basket. But the Raiders do still feel like a long shot. Is this a move that's predicated by Josh McDaniels in a conversation with Derek Carr that they say yes? The, the, look, I didn't leave the, the comfort mm-hmm. of Bill Belichick right. unless I get some conditions. Mm-hmm. And you would think for an offensive-minded guy, it's picking the quarterback. So is this a conversation that he says with the owner, Mark Davis, hey, I, I want to make sure that Derek's the guy, Derek and I are on the same page, we're going forward together as a tandem? Yeah, I think so.
6: I, I think so. To start his second tenure as a head coach, I mean, Josh McDowell just wanted some stability, continuity. He has that. Uh, but yet he still has to establish himself again, prove it situation with Josh McDaniels. That, that's what the Raiders love internally. They love these guys either a second chance or I'm going to put these guys in a situation where they still have to prove themselves. And, and they've been successful that way mm-hmm. throughout the decades, if you think about uh, the culture there with the Raiders. And so I think Josh McDaniels in this extension is only three years, right? And so exactly. only 20, 25. Uh, if it's not working out, they can move on. They can still draft another quarterback. There's no trade clause which I think was important to Derek Carr because of all the rumors nah, each and I'm not every going year, anywhere. right? Each and every year. But you have two years, essentially two years, to get the job done if you're Derek Carr. Because you're three, you're going to renegotiate if you're not winning playoff games. You're going to do all kinds of stuff. You're right. not going to trade them, whatever. But you know you can extend it and uh, lower the number, whatever you need to do. Maybe you can just get rid of them, cut them if you mm-hmm. want. But um, I, I think it's a two-year situation for Derek Carr to establish himself. As a guy that can take the Raiders to the Super Bowl, not just to the playoffs. they did that. They got to win in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl.
5: You know, it's so interesting because I don't want to say that it's lazy handicapping. You understand why at books, Bet MGM and Mm -hmm. why the Chiefs are still the favorites. But Pritch, when I kind of look at these other three teams, I go, hmm, is this lazy by the public? Because "Ah, that's Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes. I trust my dollar. Yeah. That's why I'm going to go ahead and wager it. I
6: tell you what, I, I think it is lazy well, man, that way. Yeah,
5: Right? I, I look at the Raiders. Look, I, I get it. There's questions on the mm-hmm. offensive line. We still have questions about the defense. I do think right. they're getting better in, in that area. But my goodness, the Chargers, brought, like you look at the rest of the depths of those teams. And maybe the Chiefs can do something in the draft to change my mind about that. But I'm kind of with you. I don't care if it's a sexy wide receiver that they get in the first round and replace Tyreek Hill. I, I look at the depths of these other three teams in the division, sure. Rick, and I think there's really good value at the other plus price.
6: I believe you. I, I believe you're right on that because you think about Patrick Mahomes; he, he has what one Super Bowl. Uh, you think about Aaron Rodgers; he's got one Super Bowl. Uh, it's great, right? Right? It's great. It's great. But in terms of a betting standpoint, such a favorite situation with the Chiefs, and, and you look at that situation right there, and other teams. Uh, I, I think because the history or recent history doesn't suggest that these teams are going to be ready, like the Raiders, right? Uh, Derek Carr has not won a playoff game. We just talked about that. He's got a lot to prove still. And then I I think the same thing with the Chargers. But you go back to when I was in the league. You you had Warren Moon. You had Elway. You had Marino. You had Kelly. You had Aikman. You had Um, uh, Young. You had Montana. You had killers. You had all these quarterbacks all at once. And and so who was going to Super Bowls, right? They're all great quarterbacks. They're all Hall of Famers. Um, But not everybody can go to the Super Bowl each and every year. And I, I think that's how we have to look at Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs are telling us that they're rebuilding and re- retooling a little bit. They're, going to, they're reinventing themselves, whether people want to believe that or not, whereas the Raiders have continuity on the field, uh, the confidence that they won what well, they got to the playoffs. Uh, now they just have to build on that, even though they have a new coaching situation.
5: You know, it's music to my ears because, again, I'm a results-oriented guy, mm-hmm. and I like even in golf terms, right? People would say, "Well, before Phil Nicholson went on his run and, and won six majors, like, well, he's in the Tiger Woods era." There's my excuse. Well, you're like, don't tell me about the labor. Show me right. the baby. Like, I want you to win. Like, show me the results. Okay, Troy Aikman ended up winning three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, great defense, all those things. Great. But you got to win. So, at some point, Derek Carr, if we're going to put him in that upper yes. echelon with the other three guys in his own division, and Justin Herbert, I'm looking at you, too. And it's not on Herbert. I'm more looking at Brandon Staley. I'm more <laughs> looking at you, Brandon Staley, for that one. Yeah. But really, the excuses are going to be taken away when you've given the weaponry that these other teams are going to have. Right. Offensively, and, at
6: least. And as players, that's how we want it. I mean, we we want to go out there with every advantage that we can have. Uh, and I think the Raiders and Derek Carr feels that way with Devontae Adams. Now, you got a healthy uh, Darren Waller, too. Josh Jacobs, uh, and jo- you hope Josh he's, Jacobs he's a is gonna go But also, you have the pedigree of uh, McDaniels, who's got six Super Bowls. Mm. Uh, and I think the defense will come around. I mean, Chandler Jones, I mean, my goodness, Max Crosby coming off the edge. So, the Raiders are in a great spot
5: to surprise a lot of people this year. The only thing that I will say when I look at the quarterback coach dynamic, because we have a, a first-time or new head coach now in Denver, mm. a new head coach in L.A., and Brandon Staley still hasn't proven it to me. Right. So far, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes get my trust there. But the rest of the rosters, I got to, yeah, boy, there's some real value. You'll get the Raiders 6 to 1, Chargers plus 250, Broncos plus 250. Just saying, there might right. be some other opportunities Absolutely. out there. Uh, great start, as always, Pritch. I talking NFL with you. When we come back, we will talk a little bit about the NBA and whether or not you're really into this play in scenario here and how we might want to wager it. Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here in Visa, the sports betting now. Download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odd specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino. And this with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700 Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard. This is the Lombardi line right here on Vston and Mike, I got to be honest. I fell for the Okie doke last night. You did in the uh, playing game. <laughs> I, I made played,
6: money last night.
5: I know I played the over okay. in that Minnesota oh. and, and Clippers game. And I knew in the first seven minutes of the first done. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just like, I'm done. Yeah. You can, and it's something that West Reynolds and I discussed yesterday on the show, both unders cashed, mm-hmm. by the way, yesterday, and we saw that line move come down uh, precipitously in Cleveland and the Nets, and it got down as low as 227. I think it actually some buyback to get it back up to 227, but it did get under that number, even with all those fouls late. And Minnesota, in that win, and they cover against the Clippers, 109, uh, 104, that number stays well underneath that 231 total. And, and, Mike, this is something that I was thinking about yesterday, and, and the numbers in the regular season led you to an over. Okay. But it's not the regular season right. anymore. And you can even watch in the play-in game, the intensity level goes Mm up. Yep. Right? We saw it in in Minnesota last night where maybe it's not defense like the 90s defense. This isn't going to be Van Gundy grabbing on to Alonzo Morning's leg in a playoff (laughs) game. Right? But you do feel it. Is it it just something with playoffs, whether it's NFL, NBA, pressure, that you feel it? And, again, it's not a one-and-done per se – but you feel like, boy, i really rather win tonight so I don't have to sweat it out tomorrow. Well,
6: it's, it's different. Like, as a player, Dave, um, getting to the playoffs meant everything. Uh, and so, for the NBA and betting the NBA, personally, for me, I break it up in phases. Mm. Like, I don't bet the NBA prior to Christmas. I just don't. Smart. Uh, okay, after Christmas, I'll gather intel. Uh, as we go through the stretch after the All-Star break, okay, it looks different. It's a different phase of the game as everybody's jockeying for position. But now you get to the NBA playoffs, it's different because now money's at stake, a championship's at stake, future contracts are at stake. You're on the big stage that way. And so players understand that. This is where I can make my money. Right. Uh, And you're going to get that effort. I mean, Cleveland, down the stretch, and, you know, uh, credit to Cleveland, but yet the Nets, they've had issues closing out anyway. Mm -hmm. They got two closers, but defensively they're challenged that way. But the T-Wolves, I had them on – the money line, I was happy about that. But the Nets uh, and, and Durant and Irving were incredible. But the Cavs, uh, they talked a big game after the All-Star break. They just didn't have everybody. Allen wasn't out there to contribute 16 points. And when you're challenged offensively like the Cavs, I was hesitant about taking those points. Even though it was nine and a half, I was that was that was attractive. Is it
5: is that a bad beat if you if you had Brooklyn last night like, because they were in control of this thing right. the whole way, and then that kind of backdoor fourth quarter cover comes into play.
6: Well, I think that's part of who the Nets are,
5: though. Yeah, right. You had
6: a handicap that way. You had a handicap that way. So I, I knew I didn't want to lay it with the Nets. in the nine, the under was the play. Uh, Josh uh, Applebaum, we talked about that and. You sweated that because of the way the game uh, ended, though. Foul foul, uh, foul, foul, foul. Foul, foul, And then the speed on the floor from the Cavs, too. But, no, Allen, Allen was a big miss. Jared Allen yeah. was a big miss. And, uh, and the big two, uh, those two superstars, they're just incredible. But still a large enough spread, a large enough number right there where I wasn't comfortable laying it.
5: Well, I, I did have Cleveland, so I got that backdoor cover there, okay. which was nice, but nice. I really never in doubt uh, trying to get that over in the game two, and that never came to fruition there. Mm-hmm. Is that under easily cashes? So I do want to advance the story before we get into tonight's game. Just very quickly, first blush, when you look at some of these other matchups now, when you look at Brooklyn and Boston, mm. this number has been all over the mm-hmm. map in the last 24 hours since it was decided. Right, We saw where Brooklyn Open up as a favorite at some shops. And then boy, that pendulum swung uh, all the way to Boston be as high as 140 in the series price. And now we're seeing right around $1.30, $1.40, right in that price range market wide here. This shows you there's a lot of two-way action coming in and a lot of people betting both sides of this thing, and they can't really wrap their heads around it. Mm -hmm. Are you more inclined to back Brooklyn after what you saw last night? Or do you go, hey, it was Cleveland. Now you get the hottest team, arguably, in the second half in the East.
6: Yeah, because the Nets, they can't stay stay the Nets and think they're going to win against Boston. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't relax. I mean, I know you got two closers and you rely on their offense. Uh, We talk about Kyrie all the time offensively, but we don't say anything about him defensively, though, right? right? Same thing with KD. And those guys can score. But when you have, in my opinion, an underrated superstar on the other side, which is Tatum. Mm. He can create any shot he wants now. Uh, And Brown, too, uh, completes that duo right there. And then Marcus Smart is all over the floor. And then they have depth. And they have outside shooting. Spot shooting when they need it. Uh, And they play defense. And so it's the number one defense in the league. So, yeah, I mean, the Nets, see, to me, the Nets stayed in a playoff, play-in situation, too, right? They never improved their status within the Eastern Conference. Now, I don't know if that because of a coasting or the dynamic, right? Because Kyrie wasn't a full-time player, KD was hurt for a while. And they're still not full steam. And they're not full steam, but all all of a sudden, yeah, right. And all of a sudden we're expecting, or betters might be expecting the Nets to be able to just turn it on now, because they have to. Whereas Boston has been elevated all year. They they elevated themselves prior to the all-star break, then consistency after the all-star break and they discovered something. Hey man, we play defense. <laughs>
5: Offensively, we have two guys out there that are unstoppable. I, I you know it's so interesting because again, you see there at plus 115 here at mm-hmm. MGM. You got to lay a dollar 40 if you want to bleed green with the Celtics. I think the first game is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, it I will. really do because you know, it's it's hard right now to gauge. And that's why you see this price moving around a lot in the last 24 hours about what we think we might see. Because we know Boston can play defense. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, yeah, they, score. <laughs> they can now, score. They can score, but right. if they want to stop you. They don't feel committed on that end of the floor. No. And normally, and this is kind of what we get to, to the beginning of the segment about in the postseason, in the playoffs, it gets a little bit harder to score. That's why both unders cashed last night. Wouldn't you? The proclivity for me would then to trust the team that plays better defense, and in this case, that'd be Boston. What else did you notice last night? Home court. Fans were in it. Home court. Yes, fans I mean, were go in back it to, to, to win t- it.
6: Go back to the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, a malaise there, and you know they were out of sorts early on. And then, okay, you go on your runs. Bam. Uh, but towards the end of the game, when you need to lock down, you saw Beverly step up. You saw them knocking down shots. Angela Russell, welcome back. Wow. Uh, but it's it's like, uh, I don't know as betters, did we forget about home court. I mean, we saw it in college. Well, we've seen it in college. We've but been in this the-
5: COVID era for right, so long. Right.
6: But you saw the energy – uh, and both games really for Brooklyn too, I, I think. Uh, but um, I, I think so. Moving forward, and and you think about the Celtics and how well they played at home, and what that environment is going to be like too. So yeah. I, I just if part of your DNA is to relax defensively, like it is for Brooklyn. I mean, you saw Cleveland going up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. Then how all of a sudden are you going to turn it up and be different? You're not. You are who you are. You at this are stage. who you are at this stage. And and fortunately for Brooklyn, they have two. Unbelievable players, but I think Cincinnati, excuse me, uh, the
5: Celtics, they have two guys that are unbelievable as well. No question about it. And you mentioned that Minnesota atmosphere, right? and and that should now play into the handicaps Mm -hmm. that home court's going to matter a little bit. Boston's going to be raucous for Brooklyn coming in there Uh, very quickly. We're going to have Steve on in in the next segment. We'll really get into these uh, breakdowns here uh, by the numbers, but boy, all of a sudden, I didn't think I'd be excited about a Minnesota-Memphis matchup. It right? doesn't scream ratings in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But that could be a pretty sexy little matchup here in the first round.
6: Well, it could be. Uh, I'm concerned about Cat because they got to him mentally. Yeah. I mean, he he couldn't get in a rhythm. And, and, you know, it's playoff basketball is different. You know, you're going to harass you. You're going to frustrate you. That's part of the game plan. Yeah. Now, Cat, can you evolve? Uh, but we, we saw Edwards step up, which was fantastic for a young player like that. Who had been struggling. But in order to beat Memphis, I, I mean, the Timberwolves, they're going to need Cat to be involved and not be frustrated. Not only give you 24 minutes on the floor uh, and foul out of, uh, of a basketball game. You can't do that.
5: No, you know, it's interesting because we just talked about it in the first segment about Derek Carr and kind mm-hmm. of legacy and, right. and stepping up in the postseason. And we get what you do in the regular Cat, 60-point games. Mm-hmm. Right, that kind of feels like Carl Anthony Towns a little bit is the Derek Carr correlation that like, I, we need you now. Like, can you win a playoff series? Right. Can you go lift lift a team right. and be that guy? You're not. You've been around what seven years, like kind of like Derek Carr. Like, right. dude, go win.
6: And so the energy we saw with the Timberwolves times that by ten with Memphis, right, and the youthful energy that oh, they have oh and on, and, their and, floor, crowd, so, and their crowd too. So in their crowd. So. House? Uh, house? Yeah, I mean, it's a matchup I think everybody's looking forward to watching, though. But Kat's got to elevate himself, not get frustrated, because in the playoffs, they're going to try to game plan you that way. And if you get frustrated and you show that, then you're not going to last that long on the floor. But I, uh, Memphis surprised a lot of people, a complete, well rounded team. is healthy. Right. right? Well, he'll be healthy. Like,
5: like, hopefully he's full job. I think so. Like, just from a, uh,
6: that's why he was on that layoff, right? For this moment, got to rest him up exactly.
5: Because you know, like Memphis, it's ironic. You make Minnesota's a more experienced team for teams with no playoff real experience (laughs) here. Minnesota's got the veteran guy that's been around the block in cat. And you would think that would translate here with the young. Uh, certainly, they, they've got a lot of energy on that Memphis side, and yeah. certainly good to have John Moran back. That's going to be uh, could be a whale of a series. Uh, when we come back, we will discuss with Steve Mackin and break down these playoff scenarios here by the numbers. Come on back, it's the Lombardi Line right here in Vison, the Sports Betting Network. Just right here in Las Vegas, we're going to have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from our own Matt Humans. How about Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM? He's going to have his draft analysis. And there is a host here named Mike Pritchard who was a first-round pick, of course, after winning a national championship in Colorado, and Sean King, a Super Bowl-winning champion. Well, they're going to give you their insight that you can literally bet on. And, of course, we've got our legendary sports broadcaster, voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, is going to give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to Beeson through the NFL Draft for only $19 at Beeson.com slash spring. Back alongside the aforementioned Mike Pritchard and Pritch, you know, I always kid, but like we have so much talent mm-hmm. at this network of guys that played in this league and won at the highest levels and in college and first-round picks in the NFL. That really does play, and that's why you need to get uh, you need to get this beason.com/slash uh, spring $19 because there's real valuable information from people that have been there done
6: Yeah, it. absolutely, and and the insight behind oh. it too. Like uh, when I was drafted in the first round, just knowing that you're getting calls at pick nine, even though I was number 13. Uh, And then throughout the draft and run on positions. And so all that knowledge I'll be able to bring, just like Sean King and and all the other
5: people here at VEASAN. Let me just say that my phone never rang. <laughs> okay. I was waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, let's get to Steve Mackin. Of course, our Point Spread Weekly editor does a great job each and every week with his numbers. Follow him on Twitter, as I do at Steve Mackin. Uh, Steve, welcome back, my friend. You know, talking about the NBA, and I told Pritch I kind of fell for the okie doke yesterday. Played the over in the T-Wolves game. That didn't cash, because it's playoff basketball, and there's some intensity that seems to come with it. I do want to dive into some of your numbers and the betting trends that you've seen here in the first round, let's start off with the four or five seeds because I think most people think that's the most volatile each and every time, obviously, for the close nature in the seeds, uh, the, the series that ended up in upsets with the lower seeded teams winning in 13 of the last 14, the teams had overall win-loss records within four games of one another. And you see in the four or five matchups in three, six for that, rather uh, higher seeds teams winning 13 of the last 22, the better seed won at least five more games in the regular season than the opponent. So, Steve, you're really looking at the regular season and and kind of the the difference in the wins there instead of just looking at the seed?
4: Uh, Yeah, that's right, Dave. And before we get into this, I want to say, Dave, that I I think you're a 1st round draft pick if we were drafting hosts on shows here. So I would take you in that.
5: That's what I'm talking (laughs) Uh, about, Steve. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
4: Anyway, the, yeah, the, the regular season actually does mean something uh, even more so than the seeding. So, I mean, you, you have if, if what I found that if you get a four uh, more than four game difference between these teams, uh, it's, it's pretty clear cut who's going to win these games. So if you look at the four and five matchups in both conferences this year, I would think if we're going to see any first round upsets, it's going to come from those two matchups. You know,
6: and Steve, the information you have about the worst seeded teams, too, at 48 wins. I'm intrigued by that because we got the story about the Brooklyn Nets, for mm-hmm. instance, at 44 wins. Uh, but yet everybody kind of feels that they're going to turn it on and, and make a run here. But the data that you have on, on these teams uh, that reached the regular season mark have gone 7-16 and 16 in series, 62-74. and 74. I mean, th- this data to me is uh, really important, I think, if people are eyeing the Brooklyn Nets.
4: Yeah, I would think so. Now, the only caveat I would put into that is I don't think we've seen a team like Brooklyn play a regular season like they have over in this nine year span I studied. I mean, you had Kyrie Irving missing half or almost more than half the games. You had uh, uh, Durant out for quite a bit of it. They made a massive trade. I mean, this is this is a unique roster heading into this playoff system. Now, if you're going by historical numbers, yeah, I mean, it looks like Boston's probably in pretty good shape. In fact, for, for game one, I, I'm not sure we'll have time to get to this, but game two, or, or I'm sorry, game, for game one here, the uh, number two seeds that are four and a half point favorites or more in games are on a 45 and 23 spread run. Boom. so So it's a pretty significant edge for the Celtics in game one of that. And with all the money and all the belief coming in on, on Brooklyn, I, I have to assume that odds makers got a good feel for how this game's going to play out.
5: You know, you guys, I'm old enough to remember when uh, Denver was an eight seed and Seattle was a one. And Mutumbo held on to the basketball. I think he's still holding on to the basketball now <laughs> once they, they pulled off up that upset. But, Steve, when you dig into the numbers here, if you want to back long shots, seven, eight seeds against the one twos, good luck. Because your numbers kind of show that, hey, ones win. There's 16 and two straight up, 14 and four ATS. That's almost a 78% clip in their last 18 first round playoff closeout tries. So when there's an opportunity to end this thing, they're ending it. And the two seeds coming on strong here, look at that straight up, 57 and 11. And again, ATS almost 67% here when favored by four and a half points or more. So, Steve, is this just a case of the better teams are the better teams? Don't get too spooked by the number, even if it's four and a half or more. Play the chalk, because sometimes the chalk pays.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't get too cute with this stuff, because, I mean, the motivation for these one and two seeds is to get these series over with and get rest and get healthy if they got any nicks and and bumps or whatever that they're trying to overcome. Now, one of the most interesting things I found, and I studied last year's playoffs, is there were 85 playoff games last year. The outright winner was eighty. Four and one against the spread. (laughs) So I wouldn't get too crazy with trying to think you're these underdogs and give it an old shot and they're going to compete real hard. I mean, once these games are decided, they're decided. Uh, So don't get
5: cute. That's yeah. why I think a lot of people love the Bucks to possibly sweep the Bulls, and I know all my Chicago people are going to block me on the timelines now. It's okay, but that's the way they look at it, right? They're going to go, "Hey, the, the, these seeds, right? We want we want rest. We right. don't want to mess around with Chicago." And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of the action coming on the Bucks to sweep them in four.
6: Absolutely, and Steve, you point that out too with the three seeds. I mean, you got popular three seeds with the Bucks and the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. too, from a betting standpoint. Uh, and the information that you have here from the three seeds and what you just mentioned is incredible.
4: Yeah, and you had that the thing with the uh, difference in the season wins. You got, I think you got five wins uh, in favor of the Bucs and cool. Golden State in that. And uh, that seems to be the magic number for these teams to so really, I mean, just pretty much automatic advancement. Yeah.
5: I, I did, uh, you know, Fritch, you had something we were discussing here earlier, mm-hmm. and I, I know you want to talk to Steve about because you saw it in the T Wolves game last night, which was home court.
6: Y- yeah, Steve. I, I mean,. And the thing, as we adjust as betters from whether whatever situation, whether it was the bubble or, or right. uh, nobody in the stands, right? And, and so we're getting back to that normalcy, if you will. And, and so just last night, it was so evident and uh, that Minnesota game and how much energy was in that building. And a young team like that was able to feed off of that. So I, I'm – anticipating that to be the case, too. And you think about the Pelicans in their matchup against the Spurs. I mean, you think about the Hawks, who have been playing well at home. It it just seems like that momentum is back for these teams in the NBA.
4: Yeah, I think you need to consider maybe the hunger level of the team and the fan base as part of that, too. Now, you go back to last year's finals with the Bucs. I mean, they had such an extreme home court advantage in that series because they were so hungry to win. Now think of Memphis this year. I mean that team's that team's fresh to the scene. They're they really want to make a make their mark here and they got a good chance this year. I'm sure that fan base would be fired up for this.
5: It's so interesting you guys mentioned that because I think the NBA gets a a bad rap, right? Because I love college basketball. Who doesn't? And we know about the fan bases there and certainly March. But there's some really good NBA fan bases that actually impact it. And like you guys are mentioning, we saw last year in Milwaukee, certainly in Phoenix to get there. A guy punched out another guy. We're not encouraging that. But you see these fan bases, they're going nuts for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I do want to talk very quickly that if we get to a late situation, a game seven situation, the faves have been pretty profitable from what you've seen here. Game sevens in first round betting trends, 13 and three straight up. But against the number, not so good. Six, nine, and one in those sixteen do-or-dies. So I, is the, the thought here? You might want to play money line for survival if you like the home team. But against the number, it might not be a good a good way to go.
4: Okay, so this goes against what I said earlier with the outright winners. But well, that was pretty last year. But typically, outright winners are good. Now, when you get to that late that. Do or die game, that game seven, it seems to change a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit more pressure on that favorite to get it done. And uh, sometimes that's hard to do.
5: Yeah, no question about it. And uh, we'll see. I I don't know if we're anticipating many of these first round matchups to go deep. Because, like you mentioned earlier, Steve, there is, you feel like a premium right now on rest, 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 certainly Golden State. I don't think we're going to see a lot of drawn out series where that might come into play. But again, uh, just a little food for thought there. Yes, the faves are winning. 13-3, 13-3, and three, but just 6-9-1 ATS in those 16 do-or-dies. Very quickly, Steve, because I know you're a Milwaukee guy and up there in Wisconsin. Buck's going to do it again?
4: Win it all, you mean? Yeah. Uh, it certainly doesn't feel as good as last year. Uh, I mean, they, they haven't had the rhythm. I mean, the 50, you, you think of the Eastern Conference now, you got 53 wins as the top dog, and I, I'm, I think any one of those I'd like to include Philadelphia, I guess, but those top four teams could could win. So I I, I would think if you're a Milwaukee fan, you're not as comfortable as you were a season ago.
5: All right, but I can guarantee you this. If Giannis Antetokounmpo walks into a Mexican restaurant in Milwaukee, they're going to know who he is this year. That was still one of my That's favorite stories <laughs> of last year. Hey, Steve, I always appreciate the information. It's great, as always. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve McEnany, and I appreciate you making me a first-round pick, so we have two first-rounders up here on the desk. Yeah, two
4: first-rounders right there. Great to be with you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks
5: Steve. Steve. as always, great information. When we come back, Fritch are going <laughs> to talk about uh, the NFL draft, something you know very, very well, and some wide receivers, and I wonder how, Pritch where he might have gone today. Top 10, probably. Come on back. We'll discuss right here at the Lombardi Line. I'm Easton, the Sports Betting now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing?
6: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home
5: to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson.
5: MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using the code VEASAN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money-on wager on any MLB game and either team hits a home run regardless of your bets outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the king of sportsbooks. Eligible restrictions do apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is knowledgeable. Free bets are set credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Back alongside first-round draft pick Mike Pritchard. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And I bring that up, Mike, because this could be a wide receiver draft. You must be salivating Mm. thinking of the possibilities here. But very quickly, before we look ahead, and we're going to get to uh, some of the stuff that Matt Humans has out right now, because he's got seven receivers being selected in the first round of this year's draft. We're seeing kind of market-wide five-and-a-half is the over-under? I just want to go back to your draft, because there's something we were talking about in the break, and that is, I don't know if we're getting back to that era, to when you were drafted in the first round, but receivers feel like they are back and with a vengeance when we're talking about the way the game is played. Back in your day, there weren't... A lot of teams that run it, but there were some, like the Falcons, like with June Jones, like with Mouse Davis, kind of that run-and-shoot style. Uh, we saw Wayne Fonts run that in in Detroit.
6: Detroit. Kelly, K-Gun.
5: K-Gun, in, right, Marino, with a lot of success. Houston, yeah. So is it all that's old new again, or is um, this a new style of receiver that they're looking for?
6: It's a great question, and I explain it this way, uh, and I don't know if everybody believes me because they want to believe what they want anyway. Sure. But football doesn't change. Mm. It is cyclical. Um, like what we're watching right now in, in college football is the triple option. But it's just not in the wishbone. It's a different formation. Whether you call it RPO, it's a mesh option at the line of scrimmage. you are either going to hit the pitch man with the throw, or they're going to give it to the fullback, or the quarterback's going to keep it, a double option. It's, it's still the same concept. The blocking is still the same. Mm. Uh, but as fans, we think it's – all new and you know never seen this before. Right, Chris Collinsworth and RPO stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, let just play action, Chris. That's all it is. (laughs) But yet, I I think people try it. And you know what? It's created a new market because we got all these analytics and we got all these stats and we got all these websites and sources now. So I I love it. It grows the game. But what we're seeing right now is football go through that cycle in which it went through in the 70s, late 70s, maybe mid-70s, into the later 80s with um, the Rams throwing the ball, being prolific. Dan Marino mm-hmm. throwing the ball, being prolific. Uh, the 49ers throwing the ball, being prolific, even though they're using running backs. John Elway. John Elway with, with, with multiple wide receivers. And then when I got drafted, there was so much run and shoot uh, in the league. And so you had all these wide receivers getting drafted, too. So we don't no longer have the Barry Sanders type of running backs. We don't have those guys anymore. The Walter Paytons, those guys don't exist anymore. So what we do have – a lot of is wide receivers and playmakers. Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. You have wide receivers playing running back now. So uh, I think playmaking ability or, or positionless football is here to stay because it's growing the game. It's more exciting. Uh, there's more points. You but got it's the not quarterback new. involved. It's not new, though. It's not new. Uh, so therefore, if you understand that, you can probably uh, have a good eye on this year's draft.
5: Okay, I, I love some of the things you just said. And these go into, into a lot of debates. And again, we'll have Tyler Fulgham on in the next hour. He and I have actually had this debate for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that is when you mention the styles that some of these teams run. And it's going to be applicable to who they might select right. with these wide receivers in the first round. Right? The systems. And you look at two teams today. Indianapolis and Tennessee. How do they play? They play traditional football. Mm-hmm. They play defense first. Right? And they're gonna to try to run the ball first and then play action pass, right? Other teams don't play it that way. The Chiefs don't play it that way, right? So you there are different philosophies on different teams, and then you figure out which team's gonna have more success. You mentioned Barry Sanders. I will go to my deathbed and say that Barry Sanders was in the perfect offense in Detroit with no fullbacks, spread him out, three wide, Mouse Davis, Ray, uh, Wayne Fonts, and spread him out. And then that gave Barry one cut, you know, kind of opportunities to do Barry things. Dallas, yeah, did didn't it completely different. You didn't
6: play against him in college like I did, though. No, right, At, Oklahoma State. He couldn't with, stop with the, the guy with, with the fullback. No, he couldn't stop him. So you <laughs> so, think he would have been more successful
5: oh, in Dallas with yes. the two tight ends
6: <laughs> with that offensive line and, and Daryl Johnston? Yeah. A lot of stuff he did in Detroit he created. I mean, think about. But they not,
5: spread him out, right? So you had less guys well, in the box.
6: You, you, in theory, but he made a lot of people miss too. Think about how many times Emmitt ran through the line of scrimmage untouched. And think about that with Barry now. Oh boy. So, he gone. I, I mean, it's incredible. So, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, though. I, I think today's uh, league, National Football League, we've embraced college so much now that the adjustment for these players is going to be easy, especially for a wide receiver now. Wide receivers are trained so young uh, to understand what it takes to be an elite wide receiver. So we're seeing these guys get drafted. But... They've been honing in on their craft since high school, maybe even before high school. Quarterbacks going to the Peyton Manning camp. Mm. I mean, these guys are priming themselves to be quarterbacks in the National Football League, so there's no steep learning curve anymore from the college game
5: to the pro game because it's so similar now. It's, it's fascinating. I, we might need four hours to discuss that. <laughs> and, and the philosophies. And, again, what's old is new again, yeah. certainly, for some of these teams. Look at, look at the Bengals. When they were successful, they ran the ball with Joe Mixon mm-hmm. to set up Joe Burrow. It's all the, you know, different ways to get there. Let's talk about what Matt Humans has here uh, coming up. Because, again, you're going to have to check out this week's point spread weekly as we get closer and closer to the draft. Now, he's got, in his first-round mock, he's got seven receivers going in the first round. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at that. And we talked about the Chiefs here in the West, and he's got Christian Watson going to them at 29 out of North mm-hmm. Dakota State. Very interesting uh, dynamic player there. You see Jameson Williams coming off that ACL tear that we saw going to Green Bay. Yeah. Some eyes will light up when they see that. You see what the Cowboys potentially could do now without Amari Cooper. And then Drake London, he's got as the best of the bunch. Do you agree? Do you like Drake the best? Or do you like some people like the, the Ohio State guys and Wilson and Olave?
6: Yeah, I've been – again, I'm still looking for tape on Drake that suggests he should be the number one receiver off the board. I, I don't see that. Yes, he can contest the football, and he's a big-body receiver. Mm-hmm. I get that. And you can put him all over the field. But he's not Mike Evans. Um, he's not anybody like that, right, That that bigger wide receiver – uh, that's, uh, that's a number one. Like, Drake's not a number one to me. And therefore, why would you draft him the number one wide receiver? But uh, I'm not – I mean, Garrett Wilson is that guy, I believe, to be the number one wide receiver. Um, so it depends on preference, too. Like, Atlanta, do they need a guy like Drake when they have Kyle Pitts, right? Because they split Kyle Pitts out. Kind of and, similar. Yeah. Kind of, kind they, of. You Pitts, know, obviously. Pitts be might be faster than Drake, <laughs> to that. be honest with you. Right. So – uh, Garrett Wilson <laughs> going to the Jets. I mean, that makes sense, too. You can actually switch those, and maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But seven wide receivers, I think Matt is spot on. This Christian Watson guy. Oh boy. Watching him a little bit more and more on him. So, I, I'm a historian. He's John Stallworth.
5: Do, he Mike, is. do you want me to walk off this set right now? <laughs> he's, Are you trying to bring up bad he, memories as a no, young Cowboy he, fan he's, in the 70s? He's,
6: he's, he's Lofton. Oh, wow. You know, he's fleet one of, of those. Yeah, fleet of foot, runs away from people, uh, catches the ball, adjusts to the ball. Of course, you're going to make that adjustment from North Dakota State to the National Football League. Of course, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But does he have the desire to do that? If you dig into him, yeah. Does, does, he, does he have uh, the skill set to be able to adapt his game to the National Football League? Absolutely. Uh, and so, is he a finished product? And, but that's not what you're drafting. You're drafting the potential, and then also you're drafting the upside. And, and Christian Watson is a first-rounder. Uh, and so I don't think a lot of people have him listed like Matt Eumanns
5: does. But uh, Christian Watson definitely is a first-rounder in my book. When you look at Jameson Williams, uh, by the way, 5-1 uh, to one to be the first receiver selected, mm-hmm. would mm. he have been the lock first receiver res- uh, taken if he doesn't have the injury? I don't know. I don't know.
6: Because, you know me, Dave, I, I like people that kick other people out the door. He had to transfer, and he transferred to Alabama to get a shot. But he got a shot and he made the oh, most oh, boy, of it. So right, but what we saw of him um you know, I I think George Pickens because of his injury situation mm-hmm. too, that, people are discounting that, but if he can stay healthy, then the upside is there. But no, uh, Williams is he's an elite elite player in terms of the speed. Uh, I'm just concerned about all the tools though other than just being a speed wide receiver.
5: Well, that's that's fascinating because again, George Pickens, boy, you remember him in mm-hmm. college and certainly early on in his career, uh you know, you look at the, or, or Carl Pickens, who I'm thinking of Carl, Cincinnati, right. Cincinnati. But you, you think about some of these players and go, these, these were potentially great players mm-hmm. until injuries. Right. Um, that, that doesn't scare you off, though. You, do they come back? Are that can he be the same guy that we saw flash? Well,
6: sometimes people actually come back faster. I'll give you a great story about Joey Galloway, who blew out his knee. Oh yeah. Uh, and he talked about his workouts, how how hard and tough they were, and the Cybex machine. He actually came back and was a faster wide receiver than he was. That's almost prior. impossible
5: for Joey Galloway.
6: Well, as in, as well in college he was like a four four guy. After the injury, he was a four two guy.
5: Unbelievable. Yeah. Just unreal. I was like a six two guy. <laughs> okay. Wish I was six two. When we come back, we will get into a little uh major league baseball and certainly the NBA playoffs as well. And more draft talk in hour number two. Come on back at Stone Line, right here in Beeson, the sports betting.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the
3: Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.